Welcome to another episode of the Sideline Junkies Podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to follow and like the Sideline Junkies Podcast on social media. Links for those social media accounts can be found in the description of this video. Now let's take you to your hosts, Matt Turner and Todd Polston. Welcome to episode 15 of Sideline Junkies Podcast. I'm Matt, joined as always by Todd. Um, today we decided to do a little uh, fan appreciation day. Is that what we want to call it? I'm not sure we appreciate either one of these guys, but <laughs> since we were making it fan appreciation day and we decided to pick probably the two uncoolest guys we know, we're still going to do a whole show about <laughs> So, Clay Barnett, Noah Wager, probably send us I would say they send me more messages. They talk to you in person because they see you at the, uh, the country club. Um, but they constantly say something about, you know, we need to talk about this, we need to talk about that, or they comment on something we have talked about. I know wagers uh, usually, according to him, gives you your tiger stat of the day. You have said that's not true. I don't know. Uh, I'm not there for that conversation. But that's what he says. So before we really get into what they have requested we speak about, you have your Tiger set of the day, of course. The fans need to hear it. And we need to make sure everybody knows that Noah Wager still has not given it to you, correct? No, no. He has not given it to me yet, no. Okay, no credit. No credit is due for that. No. This is a a strictly off the internet uh, basis, not from Noah Wagers at all. All Sorry. So, Tiger, when it's 30 – Second tournament by three or more shots, okay? Yeah. Second place in that is Phil Mickelson with 12 <laughs> of three shots or more victories. That's the next closest. That's the next closest. And I was actually surprised it was Phil. I actually would have thought, well, I guess Rory hadn't won that one as many times, but I didn't think it would be Phil. Because I can't remember a lot of three-shot victories by Phil. I can't either. So, Rory's only won, what, 19 or 20 times? Maybe total. That's what uh, I mean. I think, I think they yeah. said if he wins this week, he hits 20. Yeah, because Dustin's got 20, I think, or 19. Yeah. So, yeah, that's – you know, I guess it makes sense on how I think about it because Phil does have 46 wins. But, um, but I guess that's also since Tiger's first win. So you got to think it's in that era. We're not talking about, you know, before that or, or whatever either. So, okay. So did you get any, did you get a chance to watch any of the highlights from yesterday? I did, I did, I did. It was it was very cool. I, I really enjoyed JT's fan fake interaction on number one when he stuffed it with yeah. a slight wave and walk. Is I enjoyed that. It was fun to watch. Uh, I thought uh, Ricky Fowler was fun, not because he played good or anything, but because he mic'd up. And yep. you get a lot of great stuff, but you kind of got to see what the interaction between uh, golfer and caddy was like during an actual competitive round. Right. So that was pretty cool. No doubt. And I heard Rom drop the F-bomb. And I think – um, Okay, so they said that wasn't Rom who said it. They, I heard it was Brooks. 
even better. They said it was Brooks Kepka who said who yelled it or said it like right after he sunk <laughs> the chip. Because Jim Nance had to apologize for it, right? From what I heard. Yeah. Because they didn't cut they didn't cut it. <laughs> See, to me yeah, that's was, classic. That's cla- that's good. why I like it. Yeah, I mean, because they look now they just look like normal guys. Like that's how that's how we would act. Yes. So Yep, I agree. I'm a little disappointed they're not coming on until four o'clock today. What's new? You know, that's the only bad thing about golf, man. Like yes, but yesterday they did show what eight hours. I think it was twelve to twelve to four, four to eight. Yeah. So we got. Well, I got that's why. Years, that's but. why. That's why the biggest complaint about the Masters is every year. How do you not show the Masters from opening tee shot to the last tee shot of every day? You know, last shot of every day. I agree. You know, they so they did say more guys were going to mic up today. That's good. I definitely check it out today. I yeah. golfed yesterday, so. See, uh, we were gonna, we didn't want to golf because we thought it was supposed to rain yesterday morning. Um, and you know how Florida is. You know, the weather pushed back. It didn't rain until last night, so we missed out yeah. on that. Looks nice today. Oh, it's it's nice. It's probably I would say it's just under ninety. If you're talking temperature, humidity feels like it's about a hundred. Um, yeah, you know, for me being overweight, uh, it feels like about 120. <laughs> so, no, I understand, I get it, I totally get it. So, but like I said earlier, the um, we, uh, we were lucky enough to to have two guys who, who definitely jump in as much as possible by giving uh topics we should talk about or taking credit for certain topics or stats that have been delivered on the show. So we decided we'd give them a day to where they could ask us some questions ahead of time, and we'd talk about them. A yep. uh, little disappointed yep. that Wade, just being a Duke fan, refused to ask us to talk about uh, Zion and, and you know, that little scandal going on right now. Well, I, yeah, I agree. But the word is I heard is he was one of the donors that's actually giving money to Zion to come to Duke. So I think that's why he's keeping it quiet. I mean that that would make sense. Uh, considering I'm supposed to go to Top Golf with him here in about uh, two weeks for just his uh, bachelor party. So yeah. if he's got that kind of money, he's definitely paying for the entire trip. Oh yeah, he's using Zion's money for sure. There's no I doubt hope about so. it. Uh, <laughs> but but he, we'll be nice to him. I, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna attack him and and blame him for the the downfall of Duke. Um, yeah. But Clay did Clay sent an entire laundry list of things to talk about. Um, it's actually gonna be a three hour show today. It could be. I mean if we really wanted to make it one we could. But a lot of his was uh Coach Cal and Kentucky which we kind of all tie into one. We've talked about some of it before. Um but he, you know, his big thing, and we can tie these two questions into one. He said, "Can can we hold Coach Cal accountable for only winning one national championship in his time at Kentucky? And can we also blame him uh, for playing the Harrison Twins over Ulysses and Booker in 2015? Because I mean, I think we can all agree that that's was the other team that undoubtedly should have won one." Um, but we've, like we said, we've already talked about these things uh, somewhat. But he wanted—he, I guess, he wanted our in-depth 
opinion on is it Cal's fault um, or just was it bad breaks? Well, my, I have two simple answers, no and no to both of those. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've spoke about this a couple times on here, and, you know, I, I enjoy I, – I like the question. I enjoy defending Cal and Kentucky and, and all that good stuff. But like I said a million times, man, should they have won the championship? Probably so. Um, you know, Porth was getting hurt, I think, hurt them in the Wisconsin game. I think he was a huge – um, defensive presence for the matchup in that game for sure. Um, but like I've said a million times, you know, Kentucky's up six. Uh, the shot clock violation isn't called for on Wisconsin. They get that two-pointer. I think we come down and miss two threes, and they hit two threes, and before you know it, we're down one. Um, so – or down two, sorry. Something like that, one or two. You know, it's like I said a million times, I think there's a lot of things that got to go your way. I think it was kind of just Wisconsin's time, if I guess is what you would say. Um, you know, and I've defended this forever. You know, the Harrison Twins led Kentucky to the championship game the year before. Um, I mean, was Booker great? Yes. Was Euless great? Yes. But I think they were – Booker was a much better NBA player over time. Um because of how it was set up with the platoon system. But they couldn't play – at that point, Euless and Booker couldn't play defense like they did. Like, Euless ended up being a defensive player of the year, I think, the next year. But the stats show that those two guys were, like, the worst two defenders statistically in the whole entire tournament. Yeah. So, there was a reason they didn't play. Mm -hmm. uh, that That's just my honest opinion. If you go back and watch that film, you know, I've watched the YouTube clips of the – you know, where it – shows about every play, every time Booker was in the game, man, he was constantly getting abused on the wing because it was a mismatch. He always had a faster, taller forward on him because he had to play the three. Yeah. And, you know, I, you know, should we have won it? I think so. I think that was the best team. That's the only one I think, you know, that I guess kills me, but I'm over it now kind of thing, you know, but – um. You know, I defend Cal and what the decision, you know, you have two six 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 seven guards that, you know, it wasn't like they were scrubs. I think they're two of the most overlooked guys because of that season. They got so much hatred for, you know, a lot of people said they lost the game. But, I mean, those two guys were studs, man. I mean, the only reason we was in the final four in championship game the year before is because Aaron hit three miraculous shots. Um so I guess I'm saying if I was coaching that game, that's who I would have had in the game. I'm sure there's people that's going to disagree with that, but that's who I would have playing in that game in crunch time because they'd been there. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, you had two guys who who had hit a lot of big shots, who had played in a lot of big games, who had helped you win a lot of big games over a two-year period. You had two guys that, like you said, in reality, were bad defenders. It wasn't mm -hmm. we were unable to score. It was we couldn't stop people from scoring. Yeah. And you can't put two guys who can't play defense in because you're you're yeah. you're making the hole in the boat bigger by doing that. Yeah. You're not fixing the problem. So yeah. do I I don't think we I think we should have maybe won one, two more. Two thousand fifteen was the one that I felt like we should have won. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The what was it, the year before that when we lost to was it UConn? Yeah. Uh we Shabazz. I mean, if you think about it, we probably shouldn't have been there. 
We yeah. shouldn't have. That's, that's my point. Yeah, we it's, were, a, it's a two side. It's a two. It's a two side thing, man. Should we have been there, or did we lose it? We probably yeah. shouldn't have been there the year before. That's my. I agree with that. Yeah, we were a nine. We were nine, right? A nine seed. Yeah, eight seed, something yeah. like that. We shouldn't. I mean, in reality, we had we struggled a lot during the year. Um, we got hot, man. And we just got yeah, we got hot. We had a couple. We had you know, Aaron Harrison hitting big three in three straight games to to kind of break the back. Uh, late on teams, so I mean it's it's one of those you know, it just depends on where you're where you're looking at it from. If you're yeah. at it from, we've been there, we should win. Versus, let's be real about what that team had achieved up to that point. Yeah, or we just did we just get hot and get lucky to get to where we got. Like I said, I think 2014 we were lucky to have gotten hot when we got hot. Now, if you'd have talked about it before the year. I think we can agree there was tons of talent on that team, and we probably could have made it that far. No doubt, there was. It was a very talented team. There's no doubt. Yeah, about but the way the team, the the season had played out with that group, you know, going into the tournament, you wouldn't have said this is a championship team, right? You know, it, as a realistic fan, every Kentucky fan thinks we can win it every year. Yeah, just like I, th- I mean, like I feel like we could win it this coming year. No doubt. I thought you we could have won it last year. I thought we were as good as anybody down the stretch. I agree. Thanks, so, Corona. This is kind of it's one of those things where you, there's so much that you've talked about it multiple times. There's so many things that play into it. You have to have so much go right for you. Um, you know, I felt like we were clicking. Uh, I felt like the season completely like just turned to where I felt really confident in it's, uh, Florida. When yeah. EJ Montgomery got the put back. Um, yeah. You know, I was like, man, you know what? I think we're this could be the team. I, they figured out some stuff and I feel confident. Corona hits. We don't get to no doubt. You know, so this coming year, I think there's plenty of talent. I think a lot's going to play on uh, if Sar gets uh, eligible. Mm-hmm. But you know, they. Uh, you know, that was another thing he asked um, if we thought there was somebody else uh, Cal should go after, or what our chances would be um, if Sar isn't eligible. If we would have to play a small ball lineup. Can Cal do that? Um, you know, I'll say I think Cal is one of the – he gets no credit for it, but I think he's one of the smartest at making adjustments to make a team successful because he knows how to plug people in the right spots. You know, he doesn't run a lot of stuff, but he runs effective stuff and he teaches um, – he teaches different, you know, reads out of situational things. Mm-hmm. You know, all right, they're going to come off down screens. Once we get into a uh, pick row on the wing, you have, these are your reads. And that's what he teaches. He doesn't teach. We're coming off, we're going to do a down screen with an Iverson cut and an elevator screen. <laughs> like, he's not yeah. – because, I mean, he's getting guys prepared for the next level. The NBA is a lot of read and react stuff. You got to be able to read and react to how defense play because it's constantly changing. That's what he teaches. And I think if anybody is, you know, capable of – adapting to having to do uh, small ball outside of uh, – who was it? Um, Jay Wright, who yeah. kind of invented that, in a sense, with Villanova in the early 2000s. It's Cal. I mean, mm-hmm. he likes to play fast. You know, so you put four guards out there, we're going to be fast. That's that's my thing, man. Everybody talks about that, but that's how he – that's his style. Yeah. I mean – I mean, do you – What's, what do you think we're, we're going to look like if that, if Sar doesn't get eligible? Man, I've been on the – I've been – you've heard me say this a ton on the show too. 
you know, I think to me, this is one of the best rosters he's ever had, mm-hmm. even without Sar ever coming on board, even without harms even being discussed when he had. I think everybody, I think back to Monk and Fox's year. They had three guys, them two and Bam. Mm-hmm. Bam wasn't what Bam is now. Yeah. Bam was that guy that went and got you a rebound. He fought for boards. He dunked it. He had a little bit of a post game. It wasn't polished by no means. But you had two guards that go get you 30 any night. And that's what we have now. I think you have two You have two of the best players that Cal's ever going to have at Kentucky. Yeah. And B.J., Boston, and Terrence Clark. I, I really do believe that. Mm-hmm. But, man, you're going to have Keon back, who I think is going to have a huge sophomore year. I mean – he showed last year, even when he had his good moments, how good he can be. Yeah. And I think he works hard. I just think there's a lot of great pieces. I think if Sar is eligible, which I think he will be, I think I think that's one of the best teams Cal's ever had. And that. is nobody really talks about Devin Askew. No, and I think he's going to be – I think he's as good as anybody, man, and he gets overlooked because of – He's younger, he reclassed, and just because he dropped, you know, he's 30th in the rankings or whatever he is now. You know, I, yeah. that's just the fans, though, of Kentucky, man. It's it's so it, – it it blows my mind every time I read stuff. I mean, I was reading stuff saying that we were going to NIT without <laughs> getting harms or sorry. I'm like, you have two top ten guys with the coach that makes top ten guys number one picks. Like, that's yeah. what Cal does. Like, he thrives to making guards that wing guys so much better. Like, it, it, it blows my mind to even think that was even a possibility because everybody was talking about the Nerlens year. We were NIT because the best defender in college basketball towards ACL. If he doesn't get hurt, we're probably a three or four seed in the tournament, mm-hmm. 26, 27 wins, potentially win the SEC and go in the tournament on fire again. Yeah. I mean, that's just – it, it really does blow my mind how, you know, up and down Kentucky fans are when it comes to, you know, rosters and players. And, I mean, what more do you want in a class than what Cal has brought in this year? Well, they, and then you what, what Kentucky fans want is number one. Kentucky wants one through five in the rankings. That's what yeah. the irrational ones want. My thing yeah. He, he does a great job of getting guys that will fit together. Maybe they're not one and two in the rankings, but he gets a guy that right. is going to compliment this guy, and this guy can back him up while complimenting this guy, and he does a good job of that. I mean, what was – I can't say he's ever put talent on a court that didn't play well together. I agree. You know, I mean, if you think about what was the – Archie Goodwin. Only one. And I, and I think – the reason why people are down, were down on him a little bit because he shot too much. But heck, who else was he really going to pass to? He was a scorer. He wasn't yeah. there to be a, a point guard. He wasn't brought there to be a passer. He was brought coming out of high school. That man could score. So yeah, just you know, I, I like you said, and I think if anybody can figure out a small ball thing outside of Jay Wright, it's Cal uh, because he wants to play fast. Small ball usually means more guards. You can play faster. But I don't think you have to play small ball if we don't get Sar eligible. And no, because I mean, people overlook Isaiah Jackson. Man, I think he's what six ten. You can put yeah. Keon and him in the thing, and he's a. I think he's going to be the guy that's going to be the, 
sleeper that I think has a huge year. It may not be offensively, but I think he's that type of athletic big that Cal loves. He's got that Collie Stein type body already. I mean, I've watched him tape on him, dude, where he's – I mean, he's a freak athlete, freak yeah. athlete. So, I mean, you can't tell me we don't have a rim protector. I mean, I mean, that's – you know, that's all we talk about is having a rim protector. But if, here's the problem. If you've got two or three guards that can go shut down the guards, you don't need a rim protector because no. they can't get by the guards. That's the whole no. point. And, so you know, I've said it before. How many how many that win it were led by a big? It's like, it never happens. You know, I mean, especially not in today's game. And, you know, there's, no. there's teams that have decent bigs who are semi-productive, and, and I think they get more credit because he has eight and eight. That was his stats. Oh, he was he was great. That's not a great stat line. You, it's a guards game, and at this point, the way the game's played, threes are worth more than twos. And people- right. well, here's the thing: there, there's been one team that's been led by a big and win a title since Cal's been there, and that's Anthony Davis, and that's yeah. because he is a generational talent. Yes. Like uh, you want to talk about a guy that's went on to live up to what – I mean, who – but still, who would have thought – look where he's at now. I mean, he's a top-five player in the NBA, hands down. I don't care what anybody says. He's as good as anybody. He's 25 or whatever how old he is. I mean, he's not even gotten his prime yet. Yeah. Like, he's just starting to get there. And you just don't find bigs like – like Cal said a hundred times, man, you, you go one for ten from the field and you still dominate an entire championship game with block shots and rebounds. Yeah, I mean that don't you know? And here's the thing, man. I think Nerlens was that type of guy too. Yeah, like I think if he Nerlens would have had a few more pieces in that class or a few come back, he had that type of game changed ability. I mean, you saw mm-hmm. it. he had Ole Miss. He had 13 blocks, or I mean, you don't luck into 13 blocks. No, I'm sorry, it's it's a God given ability, mm-hmm. just like AD had. So that's my take on that. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, you can't go back. Can you go back and tell me a big that's won a title since Cal's been there? I mean, a legit big that's dominated everything. Is there one? I mean, I, off the top of my head, no. I mean, Kimba's year they beat us. Kimba led them. He was the only player they had. Shabazz Napier for UConn the year they beat us. Yeah. Uh, even Duke's 15-year Trey Jones or Tyus Jones, whatever his name was, led them nice. that year. They had Okafor. I mean, I guess you could say maybe Okafor was that type. But, you know, honestly, you may think I'm crazy, but I think Frank Kaminsky in college was not that far behind Okafor in that game. I mean, Okafor dominated, but Frank was a great college player too. Did, did Frank and win Okafor player of the year that the, year? Who? Did Frank Kaminsky win player of the year? Yes. 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 So, I mean – he wasn't a traditional back to the basket big either. No, and and John Wall's year, Duke won it that year too, right? In ten. Yeah. The year we got beat by West Virginia. Yeah. Dude, I, mean, I don't even remember who was on, who was that team. Was that uh was Singler there still? No. Might have been. I mean, that might have been his last year. I don't. I mean, off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you. I. Uh, when was I know it, it wasn't Jay Wright's teams. No, because he's known for guard. Uh, 
Marcus Page, North Carolina, the year they got beat by Villanova. That was all Marcus Page. Big. The year they beat us, they were uh, led by What's-His-Face. The year we got beat by uh, Monk and them. Yeah. They had the one – Luke May was their big. And he was, he was I mean, terrible. He was small, and he was a small big. He was like 6'8", six, 6'9", six, maybe. He looked yeah. small. And he was terrible that year. He hit a big shot for them. He was terrible. The following year, he was he was decent. Yes. He beat us. They were – he wasn't very good. He just I think there was actual – I think there was an actual stat that after he hit that game winner against us, I think he missed like his next like 15 or 16 shots in the tournament. That's our luck. I believe that. Like I think he went like two other games without even making a field goal. I believe it. Which, yeah, I mean, of course, you know. So, that's another another point proven. Yeah. Luke May hits a step back, twenty five footer. I mean, come on. Sometimes not meant to be. Yeah. So his his last Kentucky question was, it goes with the bigs. Um, do you think you know cows is kind of losing his touch? With, with the ability to get bigs because his, you know, Clay said, you know, he had Cat, he had Willie Cauley-Stein, which let's let's pump the brakes on him because Willie Cauley-Stein was not projected to be the, as good as he turned out to be. No. Great. He became a stud. Exactly. Then Cousins, uh, Anthony Davis, you know, you had Jones and Randall who were just big fours, um, kind of wing fours in the three and four area. Um, but do you think he's losing his touch getting bigs? I'm saying no. I'm a I'm a bazillion percent saying no. Um, I think that I I just think the game's totally different now mm-hmm. than it was. I think you know once Davis kind of got out, you know I think that kind of I think Davis's year turned it more to that big stretch guy. That's why you got Cat in 15, who was mm-hmm. great in the post. Don't get me wrong. But what did Cal teach him to why he became such a good NBA player? He found a mid-range outside game. Yep. Because that's how you had to play. That's how we play now. So, now you don't need a big to dominate the game. You need a big that can rebound, rim protect, and just cause, you know, all kinds of stuff down low on another big. I mean, there's no – that's just the prototype guy he's trying. Like I think Isaiah Jackson is the perfect big man. He's like, I just how I, Isaiah Jackson's a much better version of what Willie Cauley Stein was coming out of high school. Years. Because yes. what made Willie Cauley Stein great was the, his ability to run rim to rim, yes, catch lobs, get putbacks. It wasn't to catch and try to create something on the block. He didn't do that very well. You know, especially early, he, he kind of developed some small moments. His what was his junior year, I think. But yeah. look at, but like here's the thing: is you look at some of the bigs that we've had. Dakari Johnson didn't pan out. I think he needed another year. He wanted to leave. One uh, more year, he'd been great. Yeah. What was uh? I mean, we got the 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 uh, grad transfer last year. Sustina. No, the one before that. Sustina was Reed Travis. Yeah. Reed Travis was a stud. He was. Like, like, that's what I'm saying. People forget you still got Reed Travis. You still had Collie Stein on those years. You still had Cat. Like, you still have great bigs. Yeah. You just don't have the top five bigs that everybody wants. No. And the thing is, it's, it's not so much – Cal's not missing out on guys. Kids don't want to always play with great talent. They want to go somewhere where they can just shine by themselves. 
and that's just the reality of it. Not, not every big wants to go somewhere where I'm going to have to share touches with two other guys. They want to know that, all right, we're going to come down. I'm going to touch the ball every other play at least. Yeah. They want to know that. And, you know, that's yeah. the reality in Cal's system. It's just not – and, you know, that's why he's able to get more perimeter guys at a higher – like higher rank than he is to get bigs. But it doesn't mean we're getting scrub bigs. It's not like we're getting two stars and three stars. Uh, right. From the backwoods of Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like – No, I agree. He's getting guys that are qual- – like, they're over – they're just as qualified as anybody else to play the big position at Kentucky. Um, you know, even Sestina here's, – and here's why I say – you know, like, Cecina was – people were thrilled about him. And people loved him, the blue and white game. And now he was sitting threes. They were like, oh, he, he's a stretch five. What happened when we played Evansville? That's right. he, well, anybody, any, anytime you played an athletic four or five, he couldn't guard anybody. No. That's what killed us. Yeah. Now, if he's making threes, it kind of was okay. But if he's missing shots, he does nothing good for us. Yeah. I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just saying that's that's that was kind of our – it was kind of the same way with Reed. Mm-hmm. He was just so big, he was wide enough to kind of contain most athletic bigs. But yeah. he still struggled guarding those guys that could put it on the floor and kind of – like he would have – Julius Randle would have ate him alive. Yes. Like, you know what I'm getting at? Like that type of player was what killed us. Yeah. Now – but he was perfect for that team because yeah. you had the stretch in PJ. So that was the perfect thing yeah. in my eyes mm-hmm. for that team. Like I think and, Nate was a perfect fit for that team last year. It was just, he was kind of like Wiltshire. He kind of had that Achilles heel when he was in. If he wasn't making shots, he couldn't get you a stop. No. The, so. you know, and the reason why I liked him more so than anything was he had, he was a vocal leader. He, he was what uh, yeah. Travis wasn't. You know, like, yeah, I agree. You know, a guy who's a grad transfer, but he just wasn't a vocal guy. So yeah. And he was, you know, he was a positive uh, guy around the guys, the younger ones especially. He kind of brought everybody together, I think, as far as making them more of a family and a team. Um, but, you know, with him, the kind of what I was getting at was, the game has changed to where it's a perimeter-based game. Yep. Four and fives were taking him out on the perimeter and blowing right past him. So, yep. I'm saying, like, you don't need a dominant five. He's got to be faster. Yeah. So, so, if we have to play guards, we have to play guards. We have to play fast threes and fours. That's what we have to play. But, you know, I, I mean, we, we could go on about this all day. I don't – like I said, I don't think Cal misses on people he, very often. Well, I would love to know the stats on on the so-called guys he's missed on when they went to somewhere else or they've done this. I would love to know how that's panned out for that player because who, I would venture to say that – Well, man, I can think – I'll just tell you right now, just like Kum, uh, Kuminga right now. I mean, he's reclassifying and all the word. He's going to the professional ranks. Mm-hmm. And the word is that Cal backed off months ago. I'm, here's the thing, man. Cal, I don't know how he does it. I'm sure there's a reason. He knows. I've, I tell everybody this. There's a reason we don't get certain guys. And mm-hmm. every time we don't get somebody, something, they're getting benefits. They're involved in something. They're head cases. They're, there's always a reason why we don't get somebody. 
That's why I think, now, am I saying that Kyle's squeaky clean? I'm sure he's not. I don't get me wrong. But I don't think he cheats to get guys. I don't yeah. think Cal pays players to come to Kentucky. Because if he was, we would get everybody. That's just how I, I view that. We would get everybody. We would. That's yeah. just the nature of how it would be. You know, I think, yeah. you know, I was talking to Guff the other day, and, I, and I'll close on this, but he made a good point to me the other day. He said, I think when Cal was at UMass and when Cal was at Memphis, he had to maybe stretch the boundaries to get those players he needed because he was at programs that weren't Kentucky. When you come to Kentucky, you don't have to do those things because it's Kentucky. You know what my point is here. And then you get a high-profile guy like Cal that knows he's considered the greatest recruiter, as everybody would say, of all time. It's the perfect storm of, of getting recruits. I mean, that's just how I look at that. Like, I don't think he has to cheat at Kentucky to get players. I don't. Yeah, I mean, so. like I said, the, the one name that, you know, that a lot of people were really upset we didn't get was Zion. <laughs> but now we're seeing what's going on with it. So. I agree. You know what I mean? I think if, if you want to say Cal missed out on that one, well, thank God we dodged the bullet. Uh, well, and here's the thing too, man. It's like one of those things I always say. If you remember that recruitment, and I'm not – listen, I, I hate Duke. I hate Coach K. I, you know, I, I don't want to say hate. That's a bad word these days. But I dislike Duke and Coach K. Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is, up to that recruitment, it was down to South Carolina and Clemson on that day. I remember Evan Daniels saying that Kentucky and Duke were not even in – they had been out for weeks, he said. They're not even been involved for weeks. It was 100% crystal ball Clemson with a little bit of slimmer hope for South Carolina. And all of a sudden, he picks Duke. And then last year, all that stuff comes out with Bill Self trying to pay him $100,000 on wiretap to come to Kansas. So my point is, there's no way he doesn't take that money, if, that was, if that's true, and go to Duke. But it don't make sense. There's something in there. You know, maybe Coach K didn't know. Maybe this is all Nike boosters. Maybe it all is. But. There's something in there. I mean, but I'm just saying, if this was Cal in Kentucky, it would be on every news outlet, every sports. Dickie B wouldn't be protecting Cal like he did their day on Twitter with Coach K. Yeah. I mean, he went from a was $800 house payment to $8,000. I don't know how much. I'm just saying, like, yeah, come on. It was like 4000 and they got a couple uh, luxury cars. Right. I mean, come look, come on, come on. Yeah, something's I mean, happening. It doesn't. That's if you look at the way that played out. You go from this to this, and there's no like the increase in uh, salary that I think parents were making isn't significant uh, significant enough to make that a realistic jump. I Man, I couldn't. Yeah. You know, I, I just – like, house payment, I think it was, rent payment or something, whatever they were living in, I don't know, but it was something crazy like that. And that might have been – that might have been the car payments tied in with the house. Yeah. It's something. But, yeah, we like I said, you know, I know as Kentucky fans, a lot of them were really upset we didn't get Zion. 
um, as entertaining as he was to watch. And, you know, people can say, well, he made Duke a crap ton of money. So if he got paid, if he got whatever benefits he got, he earned it's worth it. Yeah. yeah. But the reality is Duke will probably get off squeaky clean, kind of like, you know, North Carolina and their fake classes. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's there's no doubt in my mind. I think they'll I think like they said they'll settle in court. Um, you know, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. You know, if Zion got the money, you know, he was great for college basketball. He was a great player. Don't get me wrong. He's one of those generational type guys. You know, I think um, I'm I'm actually enjoying getting to watch him play in college. There's no doubt about mm-hmm. it. But at the same time, I think it's more of the Coach K as the god and the squeaky clean coach that's never done anything wrong. I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Because Cal always gets such a bad rap about that. And I think Coach K is just as guilty as anybody probably has been. Um and I think that's what more people want to see. Um so I think that's my that's my whole point. I, I you know I don't want to see something happen to a kid and I get that. You know, but I just think that's more of the the angle Kentucky fans want to see is Coach K, you know, have to speak up about something that you know, I think it's been going on for a while. Yeah, That's he's, my opinion. He's, he's avoided, uh, I think, uh, any any conversations about that since, you know, news broke that there were some payments. And I think the biggest thing that, that aggravates most fans is nobody goes after Coach K because he's kind of like looked at as the, the, the face of the Blue Bloods. Like he's the yeah. face of the Blue Blood coaches. And you don't want to think that your face is, is dirty. So I think they try to avoid going after him because it's somewhat because of that. Maybe that's just me who thinks that. I don't know. But I just – there's no way anybody can tell me that Coach Cal does – or that Coach Cal is dirty and Coach K isn't. Yeah, I agree. You know, because Bill Self, I'm, I'm sure most people wouldn't want to admit that Bill Self was dirty. And, and as We you, found out he's real bad. He's, he's probably one of the dirtiest. He ain't Will Wade, but he's dirty. <laughs> That's so, <laughs> All right, so wagers, uh, because he chose not to send all of his questions in one tweet, he sent us about five today. <laughs> so the one he asked was, can you all talk about your coaching experience, like favorite moments or your mindset going into games? Uh, and I would say our year together, mindset going into games was – uh, I got to set my DraftKings lineup. <laughs> and I blame that on you. Yeah, we did do a lot of uh, a lot of draft kinging, if that's the word that year. Um, <laughs> which we don't. What, that kept me. Comfortable. We don't. We don't promote gambling on the show. Not at all. But if you're going to gamble, split the team. We did do it. <laughs> but no, I, like I, I think that kept me calm because I was a. a Stressed out the whole year and a nervous wreck most games. Yeah, just stepping away from the the thought of a game taking place in fifteen or well, really wasn't that. I mean, we'd said it about forty minutes before we were even yeah down in the locker room. But I think they it would kind of calm and took me to a different place mentally for a while, which was was very helpful. Um, yeah, no doubt. More for mental health than it was for my pocketbook. Right. Well, I mean, you know, I know we're joking about this, but it does – It, you know, as a coach, you know, the mindset is you get so amped up for a, a game or, a you know, a golf tournament for me or, or for you too, you know, like you got to have 
something else, I think, you know, to take your mind off all that. Cause it is, it does become very stressful and uh, time consuming for sure. Uh, especially throughout the year. So, I mean, I think it's, I think, you know, I think stuff like that, you know, having friends you're coaching with, I think that makes a huge deal, um, you know, for your mindset going into a game. And you can't show, you know, I, you know, I think we kind of believe this together. I think you can't show a lot of negative emotion before a game that the players see. Because um, nowadays I think that makes a, you know, a big deal. Yeah. With the kids. 100%. For sure. So, I, was, I know, you know, golf tournaments, I would, even this year, you know, go up on a kid after he's, you know, maybe had a rough hole, kind of walk up to him as he's walking to the tee box, say something to him, and he's ready to tell you a funny joke. And I think that – and I was lucky enough, most of our kids were were uh, entertaining individuals over here at Barstow. Yeah. So, they would – I mean, it didn't matter if you'd go up and talk to him, you know, as they were about to hit their approach shot. They were about, you know – the heat had nothing to do yeah. just talk about the heat or they were tired of walking let, let them borrow the car for a while i mean just just things where you're like i'm, I'm stressed out for you and you're as calm as can be yeah no sense to me but i think that helps a lot you know like i said you know like you said having friends that you coach with helps you know me coaching with you last year uh coaching with with we <laughs> Was always fun. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> because that, he's just the way he is on the show was the exact same way he would sit in the golf cart. He would tell jokes, and we pull up to other coaches, and Wheat's Wheat's like the the know all. Like he knows every person. He knows a right. every person. It's insane. So that I mean that kind of kept you know me kind of calm and and if anything that was probably the best thing. I think that's the best thing for any coach is having something that kind of mellows you out a little bit. Oh, yeah, I agree. You know, I think that's a – you know, I guess somebody having somebody like wheat really does make a difference. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Let's see. The last last thing we'll talk about uh, before we get into two of our – one of our, you know – New fun segments in the Mount uh, Rushmore segment. And then we got a new thing we're going to do. Um, Clay wanted to know what our standpoint was on MLB players, steroids, and the Hall of Fame. And I guess that's coming from my opinion, your opinion on Barry Bonds. So, do you want to take this one? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll start. I don't have a problem starting this one off either. You know, I think, like I said a million times, I think um, in Barry Bonds, there, he's a no-doubt Hall of Famer. I don't care if he's steroided for 50 years. He's a no-doubt Hall of Famer in my book. Um, you know, I guess the argument can be for somebody like, you know, Sammy or Mark, you know, they're kind of known as just home run hitters. You know, they never had a Hall of Fame type numbers. Um, they never had the go gloves. Um, so, I mean, I can understand why, you know, certain people like that would be left out. I kind of see it. Um, but you can't. I mean, Barry Bonds cannot be left out of the Hall of Fame, which he probably will be. But um, 
like I said there days, 500 plus stolen bases, 500. I mean, our second probably all-time RBIs or third, something like that. He's got – he might have had 3,000 hits too. I'm not – I think he did. But yeah, I mean, you know, with Barry Bonds, he's like, like I said, I don't, I don't think you can keep somebody out of a Hall of Fame because you suspect he did something. Just yeah. like anybody. If their numbers, you know, across the board are good enough to get them into the Hall of Fame, and it's, and it's only the people that they're talking about is from, like, the mid-'80s to early-2000s. Yep. It's that 20-year group. But how can you keep guys out for something that the MLB didn't police? I think it's a great point. And most of the guys they want to attack are the ones that maybe after they retire, then you're like, well, we think they did steroids. Well, that's great. Thinking doesn't prove anything. What's the proof? Yeah. Do you have a syringe? Do you, do you have any evidence of anything? And if you don't, you can't keep guys out. They don't have proof that they right. ever did it. There's a lot of suspicion. There's people who have accused him of it, but there's nothing that's held up. You know. Yep. I can sit here and, and make up a lie today about somebody in MLB, and it could may stick as a lie, but there's yeah. behind it. And if I can't prove it, no, I agree. I just don't think you can do it. So I agree 100. All right, introduce this episode's Mount Rushmore segment. Okay, so I think I think it was my buddy Quiz that sent this one in. I think it, it was, was uh, uh, our favorite cereal. So today we're going to do the Mount Rushmore of cereals. I think this was a great one. I really like this one. I think this can pertain to a lot of people. I think it's going to be a lot different for people. I'd say ours are going to be totally different. I would say so. But do you want me to lead, off, lead it off here? Hey, you know – However you want to do it. If you'd like for me to go first, I can. If you want to go first, you can. Okay, I feel good about it. I'm going to go. Okay. So I'm going to go number four. Hold on, I got to think about it. I forgot already. Oh, God. Number four. Sorry. <laughs> number four. What is number four? <laughs> oh, I forgot. All right, you let us off. I got to think back in. <laughs> All right, number four for me is Frosted Mini Wheats. Two is terrible cereal. Golden Crisp. Yeah, that's three. And then two is Cinnamon Toast Crunch. One is the, the Wild Berry. Captain Crunch. We have, we're going to have one the same. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing it's the last one because that's I'm gonna say the those, bigger face. I'll have to agree. Those are That's the worst Mount Rushmore of cereal I've ever heard. It's the only one I've heard so far, but it's the worst one I've ever heard. Those are the worst I, cereals in the world. I'm sure I'm going to say the same thing about yours. I got to remember what number four is. You don't write things down? No, I have them all right here. <laughs> <laughs> it's a steel trap. What is – would you rather work your way from – Why can't I not remember number four? All right, listen, I'll, I'll go three, two. I don't think you're going to pull this off. 
All right, so we're back from another uh, brief uh, break from technical difficulties. Uh, Todd, did, did Brooke help you remember what the word? Yes, I remember my four now. Okay. So number four is Fruit Loops. Decent. Number number three is Captain Crunch with the Wildberries. Solid choice. Number two is Reese Puffs. Oh, great cereal. Number one, which should be number one on everybody's list, is Lucky Charms. Mm. Lucky Charms is the greatest cereal ever made. Not a fan. Ever. Not a fan. This show's over. <laughs> no more Mount Rushmore. Unbelievable. How do you not like Frosted Mini Wheats? I don't know. I don't know if I've ever had a Frosty Mini Wheat. They're delicious. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm pretty sure. I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I ever had Wheaties. Okay. Have you ever had Cinnamon Toast Crunch? Probably. I'm not a big cinnamon guy. <sighs> I do. I do like toast and with a little crunch, but I'm not really big on cinnamon. So. Uh, just that's kind of where I stand. Well, we are um, opposite sides of the fences with this one. Yeah, yours all like healthy cereal. Not at all. Yeah, like anything that's got wheat, it's you know John wheat in it. It's healthy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you, that was good. <laughs> so you texted me uh, the other day and said, uh, "Let's start adding in a dad joke." I like it because I guess you being a dad, uh, you feel like you, you have some good ones. I do. I have a real good one today. Okay. I, I have one myself. Me not being an actual dad. If you want to, I mean, dog dad, we can play it how you want it, but don't count. It always counts. Don't you ever, not my kids. Those are my kids. <laughs> so, uh, do you want me to go first or you want to go first? You go ahead. Okay. What kind of shoes do ninjas wear? Sneakers. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Thank that you. is good. I haven't heard that one. That's a good one. I feel like you're going to hear mine. Mine's very risque, probably borderline PG 13R. So if we have to, we can cut it out, but it's, it's really good. I like it. Oh, no. It's uh, a good show. I think it fits me well, so we're gonna go with this one. <clears throat> Hold on, I gotta gather my myself here because it's funny. <clears throat> so, how do you tell the difference between a frog and a horny toad? No clue. You ready for it? Yes. All right. A frog says "ribbit ribbit," and the horny toad says "rub it rub it." <laughs> that's a good one that is a good one that's a great one so that's oh, my man. risque dad joke of the day that's so, good I might that's a good one. I'm gonna share that with my family here in a minute uh, yeah that's a great one I've got another one I'll tell you off air alright yeah, let's, let's wait till we cut <laughs> Yeah, Brooke told me I couldn't ever use this one. I almost used it anyways, but she told me I could. 
I think we, now we have to use it. Not today. We'll say. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. Like episode 32, we might do it then. Okay. We got a ways to go, but I think we're going to get there. <laughs> so we both, we've, we've been in contact with some people for next week. Uh, yes. We, you have a big guest coming in Monday, right? Big guest Monday. Yep. Can we go uh, ahead and, and reveal it or wait? Yeah, reveal it. Okay. Well, Monday show, we will have none other than J.B. Holmes, caddy, Brandon Parsons, mm-hmm. who is a Taylor County guy, um, playing the golf team, really good golfer himself. So looking forward to, uh, you know, some of those stories. Monday. Definitely. Um, and then Wednesday, we have a, a, a really big guest coming on. I'm going to hold out on it. I feel like we can only reveal guests at a time. I like it. So, but Wednesday's a good one. I'm excited about Wednesday. I am. I'm pretty excited. Uh, I got. I feel like I got pretty lucky. Uh, it was. Yeah. Those, I just sent him a message, and if he was going to reply, he was going to reply. If he didn't, I don't think I was going to be heartbroken. But he did reply, uh, which blew my mind. I think I ran around the house and woke most people up uh, from there. Right. I've been there. Been there. Yeah. So really, I'm really excited. Either way, I'm excited about Monday. I'm excited about Wednesday. I think we got a great group of guests coming in all next week. Um, so this should be fun. I'm excited. Yeah, what's up? Me too, man. Me too. So, but that's all. That's all we got for episode 15. One thank everybody for giving us a listen. Um, if you if you want to hear Todd's other dad joke, let us know, and I will make sure that comes on Mondays episode <laughs> maybe not after you hear it <laughs> I'll, I'll let you all know if we can make it happen or not we may get canceled you know I, we all know that we're not there yet we're not <laughs> we, we can pull some stuff off and make it canceled we can't lose mcdonald's as a sponsor mcdonald's a sponsor i actually had smoothie king earlier that's another sponsor go to them <laughs> check them out <laughs> so, all right i just want to tell everybody once again thank you todd do you have anything else no, another great show, man. I've, uh, you know, I've 15 of these, really enjoyed them. we got a lot of good views. You know, you sent me the stuff the other day. I think it's got a little bigger than what we thought it might ever get. And, um, I mean, I enjoy doing these shows. Yeah, it's been a blast. I mean, uh, I checked it earlier this morning, and it was uh, just on the first 14 on just radio, I guess you would consider. Not radio, but podcast plays. Not our Facebook page where you can actually watch the episodes. Just on the podcast plays. We're at 822. Awesome. And that's before today's. So that's, I mean, that in itself is awesome. We just, two guys who wanted to talk sports. That was all we wanted to do. We didn't, I mean, didn't think it was going to turn out to be this way. But it's it's been fun. Um, and now we're on dad jabs. Now we're talking dad jokes and sharing our Mount Rushmore cereal. So I like it. So, but once again, thanks everybody for uh, giving us a watch, giving us a listen. Uh, We appreciate it. We'll see everybody on Monday.